Today on CityCast Philly. It might be hard to find humor in terminal illnesses, but not for this Philadelphian. Today, I'm speaking with a self-proclaimed terminally chill comedian about why she jokes about her terminal illness and why she wants you to laugh along with her. It's Thursday, April 6th. I'm Abby Fritz, filling in for Trine Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Kirsten Michelle Sills, you're a stand-up comedian, an actor, and you've had a couple funny TikToks go viral. You also have a terminal illness. How has this shaped your experience as a comedian? Yeah, um, it's a tough question to answer how it has shaped me because I was born with this disease, right? So Mm -hmm. cystic fibrosis is genetic. And so I've never lived like a single day as a healthy person. So I guess I'll never really know what it was like for somebody who's completely healthy and grew up and had a pretty like, quote unquote, normal childhood. But I know for me, being terminally ill and chronically ill, I think the number one thing that I notice maybe as a difference between me and other comics, um, and not that it's a good thing or a bad thing, but just my own style is like, I just really like to see how uncomfortable audiences get when a young girl in her 20s comes up on stage in, you know, like a cute girl outfit like you would wear in your 20s, but like also has an oxygen mm-hmm. tank with her and kind of the hush that falls over the room. And I think the the sooner I realized that, because, you know, my whole family, like nobody bats an eye in my life because they're <laughs> used to it. So I think yeah. maybe that's the biggest thing I've taken away from my life experience is like people take things really seriously and mm-hmm. people like to be upset about a joke because it possibly could be rude or offensive to somebody else. Um, and they're not the person. And it's, it's funny how many people I see go through this, like, I can watch the wheels turn in their head of like, we shouldn't laugh at these jokes about someone being terminal. That could be offensive to terminal people. And then it's like, wait, she is terminal people, you know? Um, like she's the one saying it. And so I think I realized that it's kind of my job to make it okay to laugh about. And then it, I, mm-hmm. they have to take it from there. Like they can either be like, we're on board fuck yeah, that is really funny that you go through all these things, you know, on oxygen. Or people can be like, even though you gave me permission, I am not going to laugh at this. And I can't, I can't change the second part, right? Um, but I can mm-hmm. only like control how much permission I give everyone to laugh, which is unlimited. Um, because it's being sick is fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Like there's n- never ending material, right? <laughs> totally. And and I did want to ask really quick too for for anyone who doesn't know like what a, a very brief overview of like what cystic fibrosis is. Yes, thank you. That's another thing I forget people <laughs> don't know. Um, so cystic fibrosis is a, a genetic lung disease that you're born with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's chronic. It's life shortening or terminal, depending on how. Um, sick the person is, um, but it mostly affects your lungs and for some people their pancreas as well. And it's uh, basically makes it so that my body creates like very, very thick, sticky um, mucus and infection in my lungs. So uh, it's very hard to breathe. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of like fluid. You know that feeling when you feel like you're sick and you're like drowning in your own lungs? (laughs) That's that's kind of the vibe I, I get a lot. Wow. Yeah. No, that's that's wild. 
yeah, it's not fun, <laughs> but it is funny. <laughs> Wouldn't call it that. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> so, so what drew you to comedy initially? In terms of like what got me starting to realize it was a possibility for me, it was a long journey. I mean, I'm an actor, right? I have a, a degree. I went to college for acting in musical theater at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And so I always knew I loved to perform, mm -hmm. but... I think being alone for a lot of my life and not necessarily like go, you know, every day I wouldn't see anybody. Um, but like mm -hmm. with when you have cystic fibrosis, you're almost always on what's called contact isolation in the hospital, which we all now mm -hmm. know as quarantine. But I always say like I was in quarantine before it was cool because uh, my <laughs> whole childhood, that was how it is when you're in the hospital. People, when they come in, they always have to wear the gowns and the masks. And mm -hmm. it's not, you really can't get a lot of like physical connection other than like, you know, my mom. But I didn't get to spend a lot of time mm -hmm. with kids my age. I didn't get to go to school a lot between being in the hospital or just being homesick. Yeah. I think having a messed up sleep schedule and being a little kid, but not getting to watch little kid shows because they're on during the day when I'm asleep. Mm. It was all Nick at night all the time. And so I was little and I was watching shows that like, <laughs> I don't know what I thought was funny about Cheers at like age six, like as if I got <laughs> any of the jokes, right? But I think maybe just being exposed to stuff that was like not for kids maybe mm -hmm. is what got me into it. And then I think a lot of us learned during the pandemic that just like unlimited alone time can either make you really creative or totally break you. Um, and I guess I was lucky that it was the former as a kid. So I would say, you know, you find a way to make places that might not scream hilarious, like you mentioned, like a hospital, for example. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty funny, I'd say. So like, why do you think this this observational or experiential type of comedy kind of works for you? Yeah, I do recognize that most comedy is funny because it's a mundane situation that we are all familiar mm -hmm. with. And it's a funny kind of high stakes take on it. You know, it's a comedian talking about like how they were in a Wawa line, but that they were ready to murder, uh, you know, and commit like treason in there because they were so angry about the line or something. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think my, my comedy is the same formula, of course, but kind of the opposite in that I'm telling stuff that not mm -hmm. everyone can relate to unless you grew up in a hospital, right? but mm -hmm. telling it with a very mundane sense, like it's just very business as usual. Um, and so I think what I hear from people often is just like the comedy kind of comes from somebody talking about daily life, living in a hospital. So cavalier, um, especially mm -hmm. in a children's hospital, because those are like an extra level of, um, of wild. But yeah, I think maybe that's the answer for me is just, uh, finding ways to point out stuff that people aren't really familiar with, but that when they hear it, they go, oh, you know what? That does make sense. I can see how that would be the case. Um, and I, you know, hospitals aren't always dramatic and code blue and all of that. Sometimes they're just like, this is where I live for a little bit. Totally. A any any hospital memories or, or, you know, something along those lines that have led to like a great stand-up comedy bit for you? Yeah. I was a, just a really really bad kid. Mm -hmm. I was an absolute Abby. I was a 
disgrace to society. I was such a nightmare <laughs> in the hospital my whole childhood. And the nurses, I just remember like they would be at the nurse's station calling my mom, just being like, your daughter, <laughs> like, can you talk to her? <laughs> like, I, I don't even want to know what the notes were that were in my chart. No. I would try to lock them out of the room. There's no d- locks on the doors, <laughs> but I would put like, I would kind of barricade. I would put like, you know, the parent sleeping cot and the chair mm-hmm. and the IV poles in front of the door so that they couldn't oh come in in hopes that like, they wouldn't make me take my medicine. Like that was foolproof. But I think the one that sticks out for me the most that I've not ever done a set about, but I, I will one day is I always get these things called pick lines, um, which is Mm -hmm. an acronym. It's a peripherally inserted central catheter. It's like a, a central line that stays in your arm. It's surgically put in. So instead of an IV that's, you know, the tube is just a couple inches long. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way from kind of the crease in my arm into my heart. And I remember as a kid one time thinking, like I was at my breaking point and I was like, I'm just going to leave. Like who, what are they going to (laughs) do? Are they going to stop me? Um, I'm seven and I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm leaving, which means like I have to take out my IV. And I was just like pulling it out. And I'm sorry. I know. And it was like a magician's <laughs> trick where they like pull stuff out of their sleeve. Like, and my face, it was like immediate regret. Like no amount of someone yelling at me would have been a worse punishment than like watching myself do that because I was so shocked at, I just didn't realize it was that long and it just kept coming. And oh my God. It's, Did it, it hurt? Like, were you, like, feeling it? Yeah, you can feel it, like, but it doesn't hurt necessarily. Uh, But I just remember, because it's in in an artery, like, it's in a major, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just remember standing there in just, like, all of this blood. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And undoing the barricade and being like, nurse, I'm, I, um, (laughs) and I'm trying to come up with an excuse, like, as if, as if it was against my will. Like, it fell out. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of my, um, that's kind of my vibe in there was just a general nightmare. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. You, you, d- you definitely have, um, content for days yeah. with, with stories like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> my next question for you is like, what, what kind of feedback do you get from the audience when you're on stage usually? <laughs> um, for the most part, I mean, if, when I'm dealing with in Philly and I'm at helium or something and it's like a typical twenties mm-hmm. and thirties crowd, People are fucking awesome. Um, I get people who come up to me and say, you know, I know someone. Well, it's always like I knew someone with CF. They never say that they know them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> 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 like, you can just fucking say it. <laughs> 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 like, oh, were they cured? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for the most part, yeah. I, I also think Philadelphians just have a really messed up, like in a good way, kind of dark mm-hmm. humor. You know, we are truly yeah. like, you know fuck you and go birds. And and I think like that's a <laughs> a cool vibe is that like everyone really enjoys kind of gritty, no pun intended, gritty jokes here. Mm-hmm. And I think that at least in Philly, I'm met with like constant support. I love, if I could just never perform outside of Philly again, that'd be amazing. But mm-hmm. I do have to pay rent. So um, <laughs> I do. But <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite places to perform in, in Philly? 
I would say, I obviously Helium is amazing. I love working with them. They are in a couple cities and Philly is their flagship location. And mm-hmm. Mark, who owns them, is really great at like bringing comedy to kind of mid-sized cities, you know, like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, Philly. But I would say also Fergie's Pub, uh, which is like a little bit more of like a, I don't know, it's mostly other comics who go to those shows. Um, but upstairs mm-hmm. at Fergie's Pub on 13th and Sansom is just a never-ending good time. And Frankie Bradley's, which is a, a mm-hmm. staple venue for everything from comedy to drag shows to probably Bible readings somewhere. But it is, um, <laughs> we have a lot of really cool stuff here. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what do you think makes the scene in Philly like so special, the comedy scene? Mm-hmm. I think um, I think crowd work is really big right now. Not I think. I know. Mm-hmm. If anyone's on TikTok, <laughs> they know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. viral mm-hmm. videos are just like, comedian destroys guy in the front row. And I think... <laughs> Yeah. Philly can just take it. Like, I love the audiences. Mm-hmm. There's never a sense of like, if I'm crowd working, that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings, you know, and mm-hmm. and they never have the sense that like they're going to hurt mine. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm also talking like I'm such a badass who, you know, totally roasts people all day. Like, I'm not. I'm very <laughs> I'm not a confrontational person, but I just I like that Philly can laugh at itself mm-hmm. because The whole rest of the country laughs at us all the time. (laughs) And we're never too proud to see those things and be like, what are you talking about? You know, we see those things and we're like, yeah, "Yeah, that's true. Comedian and actor Kirsten Michelle Sills, thank you so much for being here on CityCast Philly. Thank you for having me, Abby. This is awesome. If you want to see Kirsten live, check out her website. We'll have a link in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. The Philadelphia Department of Labor has sued an employer for breaking the city's wage theft law twice. This comes after nearly 18 months of noncompliance from the employer, who's a construction company owner. According to the city, the employer did not pay an employee and also stole wages from a different worker. The Inquirer reports that this is the first time in seven years that the city has taken legal action to enforce its 2016 wage theft law. And a new program working to get neurodivergent people employed is expanding to Philly. According to WHYY, the Precisionist Inc. will be partnering with corporate giants and other private entities like Pico Energy, Comcast, and Vertex to ensure people with a broad range of disabilities have access to full-time work. They hope to create 500 jobs in the coming years. It's time for the tip of the day where we share a life hack for living in Philly. You actually don't need to put your trash out tomorrow. Tomorrow, the city is observing Good Friday, which means that the trash pickup schedules will be delayed by one day for the rest of the week. So if you usually put your trash out on Fridays, hold off for an extra day. To see all of the city holidays that will affect trash pickup schedules throughout the year, check out the link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you found Kirsten as funny as we do, why not tell a friend who you love to laugh with? Rate the show, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe. Also, be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.